Welcome to Unveiling Organizational Culture, the podcast where we delve deep into the inner workings of the Toledo Museum of Art and other organizations to explore how culture shapes success, employee engagement, and overall performance. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer McCary, and in each episode, we'll be joined by a TMA team member, board member, or other industry experts and leaders to gain insight into the different facets of organizational culture. In today's episode, we will explore the crossover between organizational culture and belonging. We'll also discuss why community engagement is central to our strategic objectives. To shed light on this topic, we have invited none other than the Toledo headliner herself and our Director of Belonging and Community Engagement for TMA, Rhonda Sewell. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much, Jennifer or Dr. McCary. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. Thank you so much. All right. So before we dive into our topic, could you please tell our listeners more about who you are? I know everyone knows Rhonda Sewell, but let them know a bit about your professional journey. And if you're comfortable, share something about yourself personally. Yes, sure. I'm happy to do so. So the fun tip that I always start out with is that I was reared in a fraternity house on the campus of Bowling Green State University. My parents transferred from the University of Kentucky. They were raised in the great Commonwealth of Kentucky. And um, my dad transferred to a public health program at BGSU. And they were married. And my dad happened to be the fraternity president of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. And so our first home was the frat house. And I think they put my mom down as like a den mother or something of that sort. And so that was my early beginnings. And then we moved on to Oklahoma City, where my dad got his master's in public health, and then came back to Toledo for his first job. And so um, since that time, I've lived between Toledo, Chicago, and Ann Arbor, going to high school in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and college undergrad in in Michigan. So um, it's just been a a whirlwind of the Midwest. You know, that's really my upbringing. And my professional career, um, shortly after grad school, I attended the City University of London and did graduate studies there. I uh, became a cub reporter, uh, ambulance chaser uh, reporter for the none other than the Blade newspaper at the age of 21. And I worked there about 18 years and then went on to a career in media relations and marketing and PR at the Toledo Lucas County Public Library and worked there for about 15 years. And during that time, Um, I transitioned and was promoted to a role of director of governmental affairs. So really, that role entailed um, public funding and trying to get funding from the state and the feds uh, for the wonderful, uh, most democratic of all institutions, the public library. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, I saw a an ad uh, for a new role here at the Toledo Museum of Art, got a call from the director. He told me a little bit about his vision and I threw my ring in the hat. And so I am the inaugural director of belonging and community engagement, a role that director Adam Levine created. And I've been in my role for about two years. So really that's my professional journey. 
Um, I've done a ton of other things though, Dr. McCarthy. I've been an adjunct at BG. I've been a DJ. I've done it all in the city. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing some of that. Let's start by defining organizational culture. I ask all guests to just talk about what this means. So would you describe it and what are its key components? Well, that's an interesting question. This is an area of expertise for you. But when I look at it from just a layman's term, it's really um, how an organization wants to set its cultural tone, Mm -hmm. Um, how uh, they uh, really communicate their values, both internally and to the community. So that's really how I describe organizational culture. Great. Thank you. So, As you know, TMA values diversity, community, innovation, and trust. And I've heard people question why belonging isn't explicitly called out, considering there is an award-winning plan centered around belonging. So can you help our listeners understand the connection between our current values and the belonging plan? Yes, that's so interesting because um, the staff, our staff, internal staff came up with the values for the organization, Mm -hmm. which is really unlike other organizations. Usually that tone is set by a board or the leadership. But in the new model that we have at uh, TMA, which we value our internal staff and what they think, they came up with those four values Mm -hmm. of community, innovation, trust, and diversity. And belonging does uh, encompass uh, key components of diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. Um, Belonging, the way TMA describes it, we describe it as a verb, an Mm -hmm. action uh, word, where we're not only holding ourselves accountable, but we want people to feel a sense of belonging, both internally and externally when they visit. So there is a direct tie-in between belonging, our values, and our principles, our guiding principles of diversity, equity, access, and inclusion. Thanks for that. So how would you describe the crossover between culture and belonging? Yeah, I think that in order to set the tone for your organization from a cultural standpoint in in really espousing your values and and as I like to tell our director walking the talk, you know, you have to actually live by the principles that you're espousing. Right. So, um the and then when you talk about belonging, we actually debuted um back at the end of 21, really the beginning of 22, a belonging plan to help guide us, help guide all of our departments and help guide uh, our objectives in and looking at who we want to be as an organization. When it comes to those principles of diversity, equity, access, and inclusion. So there's the direct tie-in. If that's what we're saying we really want to do, if we want to walk that talk, then culture plays a significant role in setting that tone. If we don't believe in those guiding principles, Mm -hmm. if we don't believe in uh, the objectives, and if we don't believe in our values then that sets the tone for a a really inappropriate culture, one that, you know, doesn't live by its principles. And there is sort of a symbiotic uh, relationship between the two. One can't have, you know, one without the other, so to speak. 
Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And it actually answered that question. How is belonging affected by an unhealthy organizational culture? Exactly. A lot of yeah, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So when a culture is healthy, can someone automatically assume that people experience belonging? No, they cannot. And that right. is like the best question ever. <laughs> uh, you, you, you cannot assume it. Um, one of the very reasons why I chaired a, uh, I chair a belonging committee internally and we are, we really were set with, um, coming up with this belonging plan. And for the reason that you just asked, we decided to make it a fluid document so that mm-hmm. we know that people change, values change, uh, policies and procedures change, processes change. And so we wanted to make it a fluid document so that we could incorporate that change and grow, so to speak. Um, no, we cannot assume that just because um, uh, an organization is walking their talk that everyone feels a sense of belonging. And that's why I'm so glad that we have as one of our organizational objectives really to become an employer of choice. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have ERGs, which are employee resource groups Mm -hmm. where staff members internally can kind of show up and and be their whole selves. You know, in HR terms, as you already know, excuse me, it is really commonly described as bringing your whole self to work. Mm -hmm. And when that is done, I think people feel more of a, of a sense of belonging because they know that they are in a safe zone. They know that they can show up just who they are and not put on any pretense or be someone else just to fit into a culture that that is the culture. Independence, being yourself, showing up who you are. I think that is really, you know, what we're all striving for um, as as individuals, even a part in our personal lives. So right. Right. when you have an organization in your professional life that says, you know, I, I love who you are, <laughs> you know, bring your whole self to work, but also, um, you know, show us the way, show us the way you can even in ERGs or employee resource groups. You can even bond with people who are like minded. Um, you know, it, our differences make us great. And mm. so I think the, the point of where TMA is headed, um, is a really bright one and can really serve as a model for other museums across mm. the country in making sure that there is that sense of belonging, but also really sometimes espousing those those um, principles means that people need to feel a sense of belonging, not just, not just have it as your policy or a plan of action. They have to feel like they belong. That's a challenge. It is. It is. It really is. Yeah. And you, you said our differences make us great. That just really jumped out. Um, So true. So true. Yes, I really uh, wholeheartedly uh, believe that, that it's it's the differences. Um, of course, we, we are more similar than we think, mm-hmm. but it's our differences where we can learn and grow and expand. And most CEOs, there's been statistics on this, most CEOs 
know that having a diverse workforce, having one that espouses a sense of belonging or nurturing a sense of belonging and espouses the um, principles, the guiding principles of DEAI, mm-hmm. that's a better workforce and it's a more profitable one too. Yeah. So there's a business sense of this, not just a feel, it's not just a feel good love fest here. It's a, it's also a good model for business. So that's a perfect transition. Diversity and inclusivity of both artists and visitors is important to the continued success of TMA and really the museum field. What are some ways the museum can promote all the work being done around diversity, equity, access, and inclusion to help the community understand the commitment TMA has to changing the narrative surrounding museums? You know, it's a it's it's one that doesn't have an answer that's tied in a beautiful red bow (laughs) in a box because you have to have a strategy of a lot of different forces in order for that messaging to come across. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the ways that I find that we've been very, very effective is our transition to active outreach. Instead of assuming that people just cross our threshold as visitors, we are actively engaging our teaching artists in neighborhoods surrounding the museum. Mm -hmm. Our goal right now is a two-mile radius where we've identified about five different neighborhoods, largely, unfortunately, underserved and marginalized neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. But we are in those neighborhoods talking about the museum, teaching young people and even, you know, older people about about art and art education Mm -hmm. so that that is a way to build the trust of the community. And eventually those community partners feel comfortable coming into the museum. So that is just really, really important. And one of the, the, the ways that I've seen that we've done that also you know, you go back right to our objectives, our broadening the narrative of art history. There is a, I mean, I have seen it in the two years that I've been employed with the Toledo Museum of Art, a change, a dramatic change in our galleries. When the community comes in and sees uh, the exhibits, the galleries, the things on the walls, they really can see themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's real imaging, culture, religion, your orientation, whatever it may be, we have something for you mm-hmm. <laughs> on on the walls, which has not always been the case with museums across the country, right. nor has it been admittedly and unapologetically, you know, we're, we're admitting this uh, with the Toledo Museum as well. Mm-hmm. It takes hard work. It takes a strategic mindset. And lastly, I'll say, you must have strong marketing and also strong programming Mm -hmm. because if you um, engage community in things that they are accustomed to and like while still educating them to expose them to other types of things such as art, they will feel more comfortable coming into the museum. So that programming and, and what I like to my background in marketing when you talk about community target marketing is the most effective in community. And that is something that I've seen us do, but I know we'll get stronger in that area 
of really targeting the people that are already trusted sources in those neighborhoods. That's how you build the trust of the community. Yeah, thanks for that. So many organizations struggle with adapting their culture to the changing times. How can leaders ensure that the culture remains relevant and adaptable in modern society? You know, it's it, it's tough because we see changes, I think, in our society on a daily basis and everyone's sort of scratching their head uh, collectively. So we're all going through this journey together. And really, there isn't the perfect blueprint. It's sort of you have to uh, a, a series of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to, to that question. But I do know that um, accountability is very important of an organization. We mm-hmm. say we're going to do something. We have to follow through. Right. There, we also have to make sure that those at the very top of the hierarchical chain when it comes to leadership have to believe in the objectives and values of the organization. And we are very, very lucky to have a director that not only believes in it, but initiates many of those principles. If you don't have CEO support and also board support, your organization is not going to be successful in really pushing some of these narratives. So you have to have people who really, really believe in what they're saying and doing because the community will sniff that out. (laughs) If we're just like, I always say this, everyone's used to me saying this. We can't just window dress, right? We can't be window dressers. We have to authentically believe in what we're doing and saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a question I ask every guest, um, I was going to ask you about, do you think that leaders should embody the values they wish to instill in their teams? I think you just really spoke to that. It's essential. It's essential. Um, Of all of the books I've ever read on community and belonging, there's really an accountability measure there. And also you having CEOs, you having board members who believe in what you're, you know, really trying to to do. And I'm really lucky in the fact that our board unanimously passed and accepted the first iteration of the belonging plan. That's really a, a, a true statement because we know boards don't always agree with each other, right? There may be someone who abstains or someone who, you know, votes it down for whatever reason. We had unanimous support. So that means that collectively, not only your internal staff, your employees, but those who have fiduciary uh, responsibilities, uh, such as your board, are on board with where you as an organization are going Mm -hmm. with uh, some of these guiding principles. Right. Yeah. So, you know, another big part of your job is community engagement. What does community engagement mean? And what does it look like for a community member or organization to be engaged with the museum? Yeah, I think that um, community engagement, I think the museum has always been engaged with the community. Um, Jennifer, I saw a 1916 or 1917 Blade article about the Toledo Museum of Art. And the headline said, built 
by the people for the people. Mm. That if that is not the most right. amazing principle of right. belonging before belonging became a fashionable term in modern right. society, right. I don't know what is, you know. Um, but I think that really community engagement is making sure that everyone feels that the museum is, they have ownership in the museum, that the museum is an an anchor institution that um, they can come to free of charge. You don't have to worry about people following them or what they're wearing or Mm -hmm. any of that. You just come with your whole self as a visitor and engage in the art, even if you don't know a lot about art. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And those things are very important uh, in in the beginning of uh, this new administration at the Toledo Museum. We in, um, conducted some listening labs mm-hmm. to really find out from community their level of engagement, but also, you know, their feelings about the museum. Their feelings about the museum were on 10 and above. They knew that it was a world-renowned museum. Mm -hmm. But some of them, Jennifer, had not visited since they were children in elementary school. And they lived within the two-mile radius of the museum. So what are some of those factors? And some of those factors were misnomers, such as it it costs too much to, to visit. Well, we are a free institution. Of course, we have exceptions with um, some exhibits, Mm -hmm. but to get in and just look around, there is no charge ever. Right. Right. Um, And, and we've really prided ourselves on that. Mm -hmm. You also need uh, community engagement is really important, uh, not just from a feel good standpoint or getting your visitor numbers up and having repeat visitation. It's also good for future business (laughs) because you want, to always be introducing new audiences to the museum for your business model to succeed. You want visitors always to the museum who are curious and engaged. So from that business standpoint, community engagement is important. And if you are believing and walking the talk, as I say, with those guiding principles of diversity, equity, access, and inclusion, then it's important for you to introduce new audiences to the museum who maybe have felt left out in the past. So that's why it's so important for those very reasons that community engagement, I'm so happy uh, to know that we are now really actively bringing the community in. I think we have at least four people on staff who have titles with, you know, that word engagement in their title and as part of their role. Um, So I think it's just very, very important for our future and current success. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, measuring culture can be challenging, but so can measuring belonging. What are some effective methods to assess belonging and how can other staff members be helpful in measuring the effectiveness of belonging efforts? That's a great question. And I belong to a group of cohorts of museum professionals across the country who hold similar positions such as mine. They really are the ones setting the tone for diversity, equity, access and inclusion in their museum organizations. Mm -hmm. And we all struggle with this question (laughs) because (laughs) 
there's really not a tried and true method of equity data collection out there. Um, and, it's, and it's also hard to measure feelings, right? You know, you come from a background of academia. So you know that that qualitative and quantitative measurements are so very important mm-hmm. to see if you're on the right track, you know, right. and if, if you're not, you can you can adjust from year to year. But how do you measure feeling of belonging? How do you measure something like that? And how do you make sure that your objectives are ones that are ones that will last a long time and that they're really servicing the community? And um, I, because I've been so engaged with community, I've been involved in a lot of boards, on committees, chairing diversity committees as such. And I used to be the chair of the African-American um, Leadership Council with United Way. And I knew of a methodology that their United Way Global or United Way Worldwide was using called the results-based accountability methodology. Mm -hmm. And this particular um, form of measurement really was holding the institution accountable and was a great way to see if those feelings (laughs) of belonging were really something that, you know, we were uh, doing from year to year and that they were successful. So we have just started engaging our objective leaders within the institution and also some of the people directly involved, such as yourself, who's leading cultural change here, even our IT manager Mm -hmm. and others who really are setting the tone for some of the data collection and guiding principle changes that are happening within the institution. And we're going to try out this RBA method. So right now we are getting trained in uh, the results-based accountability method. And then by the end of the year, we should have a scorecard, which actually helps us to assess if we're moving in the right direction. And luckily, when we debuted our belonging plan, within the plan, we had four matrices that we created around our objectives for the organization. And we will be um, measuring those projected measurables. So we're going to be looking at this, like I said, from year to year because it's a fluid document and seeing if we are on the right track. If we are not on the right track with this particular style of methodology, then we will adjust. And and the thing that I love, uh, Director Adam Levine always tells the leadership at uh, the museum that, you know, it's okay to be the model museum and also talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) So if if some of those measurables are, are ones that we're not happy with, we can talk about it in the field. Uh, just to make sure that, you know, we're on the right track. And and it's like, you know, when I talk to other museum professionals in this realm, they want to know more about this results-based accountability method. And we'll see if it works or not. The thing about it is that we're giving ourselves space to build the plane in while it's still in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have all of the answers, but we're at least we're trying And if it doesn't work, then we go to plan B. Um, But the fact that we are walking that talk makes me really proud to work for such an organization as the Toledo Museum of Art. 
Right. Absolutely. So I like to always end on getting a bit more information about our guests. So can you share an example of a time in your career when you helped to transform a culture and how you encourage people to embrace change? You know, I've had so many different careers, but I've been sort of a loyalist. You know, I've stayed a long time at organizations. Mm -hmm. And the one example of this is when I was a journalist at the Blade newspaper, I worked at that time in the features department doing a lot of articles on African-American culture, on women. I had uh, just returned from Beijing, China where I attended the United Nations Fourth World Conference on Women. It just was something that I liked to write about. I, I was really interested in that time in literacy. And I knew that if you don't train the mother, the child won't be trained, you know. And if the mother can't read, usually the children can't read. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was something that I was just really, really interested in. And I was interested in representation of women and ethnic minorities. That was just something that just always was sort of at my core and, and, you know, who I was as a person. So I decided to do my own um, study at the Blade and I decided to do a kind of a secret underground study and then publish my results to my coworkers internally of representation of women in the newspaper, mm-hmm. representation of animals, representation of ethnic minorities, and I had maybe one other. And I included animals from sort of a mass media perspective because At that time in the marketing world, there were more animals in commercials than there were ethnic minorities or women. And if they did have women, they were more in a subservient or stereotypical role, such as a a mother or a um, someone who was cleaning or in charge of the cleaning or cooking. Uh, nothing's wrong with all of that, but it was just the stereotypical role. They weren't showing diversity of women, such as a woman who was an astronaut or something of that sort. So I, I collected all of this data and then I published it. And I really was doing a real deep dive into how we were covering our community and Boy, was it eye-opening because at that time we were not doing a good job when it came to representation. And we all met um, both leadership and reporters and talked about my data, talked about all of this and the surprises. And people, of course, weren't intentionally doing anything wrong, but reporters often would go out into the field and just pick someone who looked like them to talk to about a tornado or a house fire or whatever it may be, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, that was just so, so telling. And we actually made some internal changes in our policies and that I was so proud of that moment because there, I wasn't doing it to win an award. I wasn't doing it for some type of initiative or study from a university. Mm -hmm. I just did it on my own. 
Yeah. And I was so proud of the the data that I collected. I wish I had saved it. I don't think I can't find it now. Aww. It's probably in a box in the garage somewhere. But <laughs> but I but it really did lead to significant changes in the organization from a diversity and inclusion standpoint before those terms even became fashionable. Right. So this is just something social justice and all of that. It's just something that is just sits at my core that I've always believed in. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thank you, Rhonda, for sharing your valuable insights on organizational culture and belonging. It's evident that these constructs are critical components in creating and maintaining a successful organization, influencing employee engagement and overall performance. Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or advice for our listeners? I think that we can go back to looking at how our narrative here at the museum is vitally important to a sea change, the sea changes that we want to make with community. And I think something that, you know, really hit you earlier in our conversation was about how diversity is a good thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a good business model, but it's also good because it allows people to be themselves and contribute to an organization. So I think we're on the right path. I ask that the community be patient with us because this is all new to us, but I think we're really on a good path. And when I'm out in community, and that's a lot, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. I hear nothing but really good things about the Toledo Museum of Art. And that means that we really are on the right path. We won't always get it right, but at least we're trying. So I think I'd love to leave listeners on that note. That's great. Thank you. So that's all for today's episode of Unveiling Organizational Culture. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and gained valuable insights into the world of organizational culture. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your colleagues. For more resources and updates, visit our SharePoint site. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, be well.